What is this great conversation you're about to hear? Hello everyone, this is W, host of the High Art on the Edge page. I'm an online event planner that supports artists' work from all over the world. They create the product. I help organize and execute a memorable event on social media for their fans, family members, and friends. In addition, I host surprise events where online friends and I examine an artist's work. Sometimes we're able to get special guests to join us and share a few tales of their own. It's a rockin' good time. What do the Eiley brothers, Bootsy Collins, and Steven Spielberg have in common? They come from the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio. Let's not forget about an incredibly talented band, The National. This phenomenal alternative indie group has released infectious music since 2001. You may be familiar with memorable tunes such as Blood Buzz Ohio, Fake Empire, and Mr. November. In this entertaining conversation, you will get a chance to hear Barkles Giorgio and I discuss our endless appreciation for the band. We talk about moving lyrics, quotes, concert experiences, and even pick our bronze, silver, and gold medal tracks from their albums, The National, Sad Songs for Dirty Lovers, Alligator, Boxer, and High Violet. Feel free to share your feedback throughout the conversation. We'd love to hear what you think of our selections. So grab yourself a drink, have a seat, sit back, and enjoy our discussion as we shine a beautiful bright spotlight on the national. All the wine. Cheers. Hello everyone, this is W, host of the High Art on the Edge page. Thank you for tuning in for another surprise event. This is number 18 on the list, Tuesday, November 14th. Today, we're going to analyze, shine a beautiful spotlight on a band that has really stood the test of time and have evolved into what we think of as maybe indie alternative rock, but there's a lot more going on underneath the surface for the national. And who better to have a great discussion than someone all across the pond for me. His name is Barkles Giorgio. And I came across Barkles uh, through the national public community page and we just kind of hit it off. And I had learned that not only is he a fan of the national he is a rabid fan why you're gonna find out but let's bring him in barkles how are you w my man thank you for that lovely introduction i'm very good uh, hello from a cold autumnal london which seems appropriate absolutely and a uh, cheers to you uh thank you for joining you. Uh, all the wine, uh, all the wine. Uh, that's right all the wine and before we dive into their material, gold, silver, bronze selections, if you will, I've got a couple questions for you. And the first question goes something like this. How would you describe the national in three words? That's a very good question. Um trying to sum up a band that you've loved for nearly half your lifetime in three words. I would say, for me, they're quite, they're quite a nocturnal band. Um, I listen to them a lot at night. 
whenever I see them, it's in dark rooms. There's been a lot of driving. There's been a lot of parties with friends. I think if you look at their lyrical content and their photography, I feel like they're nocturnal people. Um, I think that's why that's, they speak to me quite deeply. Um, I, another word that pops to mind is enduring. Um, I think you touched upon that. Um, I think how many how many bands can anybody really be obsessed with? Um, I, th I think I've I've got two that I'm really obsessed with, and the, the National are definitely one of them. And I've been listening to them since my mid twenties, and it's been fascinating to grow older and listen to them growing older um, musically and lyrically. Um, and they've always been there in my life, and they don't give up. So I think enduring is something that really sums up that band. Um, and I think the other one is yearning. Um, I think there's something there's something very deep in their music that connects with so many people. And it seems they're connecting with more and more people now, which is amazing. Um, and I think I think what they speak to is a yearning for, you know, love and connection and home and and hopefully ultimately happiness, which can be fleeting and hard to find. So that's they're the three words that I think of. I love that um the description of the band. I think you really hit the bullseye in terms of your uh, quick aural analysis of them. May I throw one more word in there for you? Go on then. Restraint. Mm. And I'll, I'll dive deeper into that word. My second question for you is, when did the national enter your life? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, it was around the alligator boxer era crossover. Um, I just moved to London. So I was like 25, 26, prime national age. Um, so to be discovering a new city like London, um, I'd left all my friends in Leeds where I'd been studying and gigging and being in a band and partying and having the best time of my life. And I, I left to start a new chapter in my life. So trying to navigate London um, and just wandering around, getting the bus and the national were just on my headphones all the time. Um, and I miss my friends, but I, I felt like moving to London was something I had to do. And they soundtracked all of that. And it was just, it was just like that. Are you suggesting there is a parallel with you in the band in your migration, if you will, with their migration from Ohio, Cincinnati to New York? I think that tension uh, that they have with cities is something that's absolutely fascinating you know they they speak of home a lot 
um, in their songs. They speak of domesticity, uh, domesticity and interior and apartments and things. And I, I think they are they are addicted to cities and they love the opportunity and the magic and the the nocturnal element of cities and the drunkenness and the partying and the gigs. And you, you you hear about how much they sing about New York and it's it's fascinating. But you you I think there's also a yearning for what they've left behind and the safety and the security. You know, there's there's a danger in the city. There's there's loneliness, there's anxiety, there's all kinds of things. And I, I think home offers something else to that. So that tension in their music is there, I think. So let's kick this discussion off, Barkles. What is your bronze metal track? From the debut album. So, listening back to this album, like you, I got into Alligator first, and then had to work backwards. Um, my bronze track is the perfect song. Um, now, for all those reasons that you just mentioned, you, you mentioned you hear bands, other bands in this record. I think this debut album is them finding their feet, trying to find their own sound and their own identity, but they are clearly guys with taste and talent. I mean, you mentioned REM, I hear Silver Jews, Sparkle Horse, um, there's all kinds of things going on. Um, but for me, um, I think, perfect song it sound it really sounds like a silver juice song you can almost hear dave berman singing it um even the title has a kind of silver juice kind of ironic kind of little wink wry nod um it just has a lovely groove it makes me laugh um it shows you that this band has a sense of humor as well amongst other things and it also speaks of a very long complicated relationship with alcohol you know um it's the one of one of his first mentions of drink you know um so for me um going back to this album was a really interesting exercise in, in listening to a band discover who they are and i'm going to give you my bronze medal and um now our furniture for the one with crow's feet and i can't remember the call Sometimes I can feel your weight when I close my eyes. So yes, my bronze metal track is perfect song. <laughs> and you know, we're gonna maybe hear a little bit more of that Springsteen influence um, that I hear in that. And again, I mentioned Wilco, but yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a solid song for me. And I feel like. Could it be on a subsequent album? Yes, with maybe different production to it. So that's my pick. All right, let's go for the silver. Silver is going to be the opening track, uh, Beautiful Head. Um, now, I really love New Order. I, as a teenager, New Order and Joy Division were two of the biggest bands for me when I was discovering music. Um, and I was kind of too old for both of them. Um, I've subsequently been able to see New Order. But when I heard, first time I heard Beautiful Head, it was almost like a, 
it was like a main line into my teenage years because the the groove and the feel of it it really feels like it could just be cut from power corruption and lies or low life and it has a wonderful wonderful kind of energy to it it's a beautiful song um and he has that it's it's the first of so many great matt burninger lines i mean we could do two hours just on matt burninger lyrics but um when he says do not tell me i've changed you're just raising your standards it's you know it, it it's the kind of a line that only matt burninger can get away with because he's just so cool and yeah it it makes you laugh. It's it has a real kind of um, what I, it's it's what I call a, a kind of saucy hip wriggler. Um, mm. It really makes me want to move. It makes me smile. It just makes me so happy. That's my silver. Uh, my silver medal goes to Sun. Sun. <laughs> and this is this is where the lyrics are poignant and powerful to me. How are the arms of your mother just holding you in? She's reading books from empty women. They're giving beauty tips from empty hips. And I'm sure we're gonna dive deeper into his inc incredible use of imagery and metaphors and personification, onomatopoeias. If I were teaching lyrics and poetry in a class, I would easily go to his library and pull those those amazing nuggets out. So, uh, yeah, this is my silver medal, son. All right. Now we're going to stand higher on that platform, on that podium. What is your gold mother? <laughs> your gold mother. That's James. <laughs> I was thinking of James. What is your gold medal? Uh, it's nice to reference mid-90s Manchester bands. Well done. Um, <laughs> um, okay. Uh, for me, this was, this was really quite hard, but I, I've gone for Cold Girl Fever um, because um, it's makes me feel like a teenager again. Um, it's... It taps into that. It sounds like such a new order jam. Um, yes, it 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 doesn't necessarily sound like the national. I think it's it's them just like really showing what they can do, showing who they love. Um, but you feel that love, and because of Matt's voice, it elevates the song from being like merely some sort of new order pastiche to like almost taking like the new order sound into a new direction. And it makes you realize how cool his vocal is and how good he's getting at singing. And um, he, there's a vulnerability in it as well, which I think is what New Order used to do so well. And he sings, you know, I'm terrified of losing you. And it's underpinned by this really melancholy kind of weight to the music, which is also like propulsive and love the song title, love the song, love this band. You know, I'm so thankful that I met you because I haven't had too many conversations, like not in this depth about this band. I've always come to know and, and appreciate their respect for New Order, 
but nobody has ever drawn that connection for me to the to New Order with this first album. And I can see why um, that connection has been made. So thank you for that. That's very, that's been very illuminating. I appreciate it. Okay. My gold metal track would be Theory of the Crows. So why that track? I feel like it's, for me, it's the first glimpse into that restraint, but coupled with the tension, coupled with the ascending notes and the buildup, um, I feel like it's kind of the early seeds of what's to come, subsequent albums, particular songs we're going to get into. And I just love that bass line. I think it's strong. I think it's throbbing. I think it anchors everything down in that song. But again, as I just mentioned, for me, it's really the structure and the emotional dynamics that are going on with the guitar work, Matt's vocals, so on and so forth. I'm going to give you a little bit more context here from albums that came out in 2003. You actually may own some of these. So we had Sun Kill Moon, Ghosts of the uh, Great Highway, Death Cab for Cutie, Transatlanticism, and then, of course, the juggernaut of the White Stripes Elephant. Um, and I, if I recall, this album got really strong reviews and probably ended up in many top 50 lists for a lot of critics. There it is. Yes, it's it's gorgeous in the uh, uh, album art cover. So I got to ask you, your bronze metal track. Okay, this was actually quite tough because I think I think this is a this is a kind of eight out of ten album for me. It's good. It's very very good. And revisiting it, I still go back to it. Um, but my bronze is going to be Ninety Mile Waterwall um, for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, what a song title. Um, what an image. Um, it's a great way of trying to forget somebody, put a barrier between you and somebody, help you get over each other. There's a real tension in that image. And oh my God, like how, how desperate must you be to get over this person that you want a 90 mile wall? But I think it's... It taps into things that he talks about all the time. Um, like in Graceless, he'll say, is there a powder to erase this? Um, so going back, it's it's fascinating for me because he's diving into these themes already, but he's already doing it in a really poetic way. Also for me, it highlights just how good he's getting at phrasing um, in yes. terms of his singing style. Um, we can revisit phrasing in one of my later picks, but I think the way that he is able to marry his voice to the music in this song is incredible. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's an indication of how they work as a band, because if you read interviews with them, 
the music gets written first they pass it to matt <laughs> and then apparently matt has the power like if he doesn't want to sing over it he won't and that's that's it for a song but if he chooses to sing over it and write lyrics for it it goes on so i love that about it and then also you mentioned nick cave i think for me the string section on this points to like you were saying with padman newsom it has a real dirty three vibe for me um and it, it is starting to tap into their really interesting relationship that they develop with your non-standard kind of rock instruments and bringing in classical instrument instruments and strings and brass and woodwind and oh my god what a song love it yes yeah, so this was difficult to kind of narrow down the three um and i remember thinking when i not this last show i'd seen him in san francisco but the previous one, I was thinking about the challenges of being together as a band with two twins, brothers, and any of that sparring. And how does that fuel the band as far as creativity and ideas? And how does it stifle a band? I'm going to read you a quote here. Um, is mostly a positive uh, impact. The brotherly thing definitely adds a bit of tension, but it's the kind of tension that is easy to get over. There's no threat of it falling apart because they have known each other for so long. This is Matt talking. And because as they are brothers, there is a special loyalty between them. There is not so much a threat of anyone throwing a fit or walking off. And that's what you clearly get when you see them perform on stage. There's no... I don't get a sense there's egos um, trying to outrank anyone there. All right. Well, I'm picking my uh, bronze metal track, and that is going to be Cardinal Song. Uh, six minutes, 18 seconds long. It's dreamy. It's, it's hazy. It's woozy. I would love to see them play this live. I've never seen them play it live. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it has that kind of throwback to their previous album, has that twang uh, feel to it. Um, I love the bridge that comes about around three minutes. That's another thing I'm going to talk about more as we get deeper and deeper. Those middle eights and bridges are soaring and they're just so fucking beautiful. So I'm going with Cardinal Song as my bronze medal. All right, we go from bronze to silver. Oh, what's it gonna be? Uh, I have two words for you, uh, Cardinal Song. Uh, <laughs> ah! <laughs> um, oh my God, I love this song. Um, okay, I'm gonna throw something out there, which maybe only hit me on revisiting this album recently 1999 um mogwai released come on die young which is not only one of my favorite mogwai albums one of my favorite albums of all time and oh my god when you listen to cardinal song and you listen to any song of come on die young oh my god like I find it impossible to believe that they weren't hammering that record um, and what a beautiful record to take inspiration from. Um, yeah, I'm. what can you say about Cardinal Song? You know, 
lyrically, the slow burn, the build, um, and then you're right. The it kind of every time I listen to it, I think it's finishing, and it it just stops, and that incredible violin part comes in, and yep. um, it transforms the song and and one of the first it's one of the first national songs that kind of caught me off guard because i didn't expect it and they've they're very very good at doing that and they do that a lot which we will discuss in depth i'm sure but um when matt comes in um with his kind of jesus christ moment it kind of it feels earned and it feels um warranted and it's what elevates that song to the next level for me and it it points to a future that they have making those kind of songs so yeah silver all the way man you are spot on with your analysis perfect <laughs> okay for me this silver medal goes to a track that has lover to ribbons lover to ribbons lover to ribbons it's a brutal song um murdered me rachel and this to me is kind of their what i feel is their rep, the repetition in the lyrics but it's the it's the music that acts as the vehicle on this motorway that is propulsive it is unrelenting it is just kind of a chokehold um, and you know, when the national has that restraint and you're just waiting for them to just let it go, kind of that orgasmic moment. So that happens here. And we're going to obviously talk about that much more as we get on to other albums. Um, but really happens kind of early at the one minute, 25 minute mark, one minute, 25 second mark. It just goes. What is your gold medal track? Um, okay, this is probably the easiest gold of all the albums that I'm ever going to choose, but I'm going to go for the obvious one, which is another banger uh, and available. Um, I think the production on this is so good. It's so heavy. The bass is so grounded and monumental. And oh my god, it sounds like a mixture of U2, New Order, and Interpol. Um, so it has this great post-punk kraut rock kind of dynamic to it. Um it points to it points to some of the future of the heavier songs that they're gonna do. Um and oh my god, the kind of gear change where Matt just loses it with his vocal. Even now, I've never heard Matt sing or scream in the way that he sings or screams in available. Um, it's just astonishing it's, and it catches me off guard every time and I look forward to it every time. Um, and I think it's what you were talking, it's about restraint and release. It has that energy to it. And oh my God, his phrasing, I know I mentioned phrasing before. Um, and I think here it's, he is so good at picking up on the energy and the rhythm of a song and finding a lyric and a phrasing to match that. And this is one of the best examples in the national canon of that. My gold medal track, which I think a lot of people wouldn't be surprised, is Lucky You. And I'm gonna tell you why. It's very simple. 
when I saw them last week in San Francisco, there were some quieter moments. And those quiet moments are so fucking moving. <laughs> they are soul searching. They're stirring. They give me goosebumps. And the sterling example of that is Kansas. That's much later in albums. But it's those kind of library quiet moments with just Matt being vulnerable with his baritone voice, his maybe homage to Nick Cave or Tom Waits, Leonard Cohen. Um, and it's the song that I just feel like from start to finish, it's just, and it's a phenomenal ending album track, right? So I'm going with Lucky You as my gold medal track. Uh, okay. Now the band is off that label and they get signed to Beggar's Banquet. Uh, 2005. Let me give you some albums that came out in 2005. Uh, Sufi and Stevens, Illinois. One of my favorites. Nine Inch Nails with Teeth. And how can we forget about LCD Sound System? LCD Sound System. So I know this is the album that kind of put them on the map. And I can't wait to hear your explanation, your analysis. This was brutal, Barkles. This was brutal. <laughs> Thank you for holding it up. Um... Let's go into the interior, the nightlight interior, dark cavernous mode, the city life here of the alligator. Um, what the hell did you pick for your bronze medal? I think I think what you touched upon is 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 very interesting. I know I talked about them as a nocturnal band. I love this album cover. Um, there's a picture of Matt. He's in some sort of bar or club or venue. Um, it's it's kind of like a it looks like some sort of liminal space. Like it's it's a place of change. Is he is he going for a drink? Is he going home? Is he coming off a gig? Like what's going on here? It's so perfect. I mean, they're so you know they're all you know they're they're grad some of them are graduates in design and it's this for me is their first great album cover as well as their first great album. Um, okay, bronze was really tough, but I'm gonna have to go with all the wine. Um, so this song for me is like it's it's right, it's sardonic, it's got a little glint in its eye. If I've had a couple of glasses of wine and I was going out with my friends, this would be the uh, this would be the song that was playing. If I was getting my headphones on, like getting on the bus or the tube to go for a date, um, this would be the song that would get me kind of like excited or in the mood. Um, I think it's it's a song that only Matt Berninger can sing lyrically. I mean, oh my God, like this incredibly tall, handsome, awesome, intellectual, brilliant genius. Well, if you listen to that track, the opening chords, it's like this this twinkle of like 
ding, 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 ding. And it's just, it's a great intro. It has that U2 feel for me. It has that edge quality to it. Yeah. Okay. Damn you in this assignment. <laughs> because this was freaking brutal. In 2007, when I saw them for the very first time, this song took me to a whole nother level of like that wow factor. I was not expecting this at all. And I'm going to give you a line that is extremely controversial. And like you have mentioned many times, only Matt can kind of get away with this. I know what he's talking about. There's not a racist bone in that man's body. But I'm going to read it to you. I'm the great white hope. I'm the new blue blood. And of course, we're talking about the political song of Mr. November. That was my gold medal track. Or had we done this a while ago, that's what it would have been. Um, it is one of their greatest songs of all time on the album, live, lyrically I love. Um, it's that full throttle, full octane. We're just going to go for it and hit that anthemic feel. So, yeah, I'm going with November and... God, it's just, I never get tired of listening to it. And, and then they played it at the show. And we know he's going to come out to the audience and do his shtick. It's perfect. All right. Silver medal. Silver. Um, <laughs> the freaking brutal is, is absolutely correct. Um, this was so hard. But I'm going to go with City Middle, um, largely because it literally sounds like the album cover. You know, Karen, take me to the nearest City Middle where turn the lights, and it's like it twinkles, it it shines, it it sounds like you're going on a night out. That's how it starts. Um, but then I think um, it. You know, we've had a few drinks and he said, and, and Matt's singing like, I'm on a good mixture. I don't want to waste it. It's kind of, you've got that buzz, which will later be re revisited with like, you know, Blood Buzz Ohio. But he's he's talking about that alcoholic, like good time buzz that you've got going on. You don't want to waste it. Let's go somewhere. Let's go out. Um, and also, I think it's the song that gives the album its title. So he sings, uh, I want to go, I want to go Gator around the warm beds of beginners. Um, so using Gator as a verb and from which you get alligator. So who is the alligator? It's the, it's the narrator, narrator, narrator in this scenario. So I think it's the song that gives the album its title. Um, I also think it taps into what, Matt has described as the juicy fiction. Um, he he says that they are that songs are kind of not quite autobiographical. The little caveat in there, not quite autobiographical. But then he he ended that interview by saying it's like a juicy fiction, which I think is such a great way of describing this band and their their lyrical content. Um, but 
for me, it's it's where this song ends up that makes it great. And he sings, I have weird memories of you wearing long red socks and red shoes. And then it taps into possibly, you know, as an English lit graduate, hand on heart, um, one of the greatest examples of assonance that I've ever heard in my life in any poem, which is um, pissing in a sink, I think. <laughs> which is um, number one, Oh my God, he's so good at lyrics. Number two, is he remembering this? And he says, I have weird memories of you. Why does he have a weird memory? Is it, uh, have they broken up? Is it someone that he's lost? Um, pissing in a sink, I think, is just such an intimate revelation moment. And he's willing to give that to us in juicy fiction. Uh, not only that, City Middle is great assonance as well. And of course, I'm talking about All the Wine is my silver medal track. And it's 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 playfulness, you know. I don't I don't get a sense that that's how he truly feels, but I carry the dollhouse safe from my shoulders. There's a, there's that arrogance to them. I mean, they're young. I mean, when you live that kind of lifestyle and you feel like you're kind of the world starting to not feel as, as oppressive. And uh, yeah, and it's God, the, the opening riff, as I just mentioned, it just feels like that something the edge could have plucked out of the sky, right? It's absolutely gorgeous. So, yeah, I'm picking that as my silver medal. Okay, now we get to probably <laughs> oh, extremely arduous task. What is your gold medal? <laughs> um. Oh, God, this was this was one of the hardest things I've had to do because there's literally not a track on this album that I would skip or when I listen to this album, I have to listen to the whole thing. But I'm going to go with Geese of Beverly Road. Um, wow, okay. Not only is it one of my favourite national songs, it's just one of my favourite songs ever by by any band um for so many reasons that i'm gonna have to compress but i mean number one um when you hear that introduction it's otherworldly like um you talk about you talked about the context of the albums and the bands that were coming out at that time this sounds like kind of um ralph Vaughan williams or like some beautiful orchestral composer it's it's a real signpost for where their talent as musicians and collaborators um, is, is coming to and coming from. And it's a fascinating opening to a song. Not only that, it just gives this air of like romance and magic, which I think you find in so many songs by The National. Um, so, yeah, that Padma, Padma Newsom's work on this album and this song is just incredible. Um, it has some of like Matt's greatest lyrics, I think, in, in all in one song. Um, and it kind of sounds like the best drunken romantic night out you've ever had. Um, and when it and when it gets to the climax of We Are Heirs to the Glimmering World, I mean, if you've ever been up all night and you're just seeing the sunrise come up and you're with someone that you really, you know, want to be with. Um, 
he's tapping into a deep magic there. And magic is a word that I could use a lot. And this song is just so gold. It's gold star, triple star. It is absolutely brutal. So I was a teacher for 20 years uh, with second, third, fourth, and fifth graders. I used to incorporate a lot of music into the classroom every day, and they would be singing songs all year long. We'd put on performances, so on and so forth. We had a horrible, horrible shooting in this country that involved Sandy Hook. It was the shooting of um, kindergartners. And I'm getting to my gold medal track here. It's probably the one of the most profoundly moving moments in my teaching career that I wanted to stop teaching for a while. I just couldn't fathom this. Okay. So through a long series of conversations, very gentle conversations with 10 and 11 year olds, um, we had winter break and we came back in January and each week my students would get a new song to sing. And I gave them this national song and it was a month after Sandy Hook. And it's uh, my mind's not right. My mind's not right. My mind's not right. And of course I'm talking about Abel. And the reason why I wanted them to sing this song and learn it is because I wanted them to feel particularly girls who are at that age can be very reserved when it comes to male aggressive sounding music. And so when we perform the song, the boys could get really into that chorus. The girls would kind of say this, my mind's not right. My mind's not right. Yeah. They had such a hard time crossing over. They couldn't feel the song. Until I had my boys go up and perform it. They sat down and I said, girls, match that or go above it. It took them two months to feel that song. And that is my gold medal track for this album. It's, it's a song that I feel as though connection to Sandy Hook, post-connection to that, my relationship with my students at the time, seeing it live. Um, in fact, I had a father come to me and say, if you could not, I'm going to have my son par not participate while you guys sing that song. Um, I don't feel it's appropriate. Um, just because of maybe the, the, this idea of the mentalness, the mental state, the fragility of people. But yeah, that's my gold medal track. It's kind of an emotional song for me. So that's why I picked it. Okay. We go move on from the <laughs> the uh, that brutal task of picking three. Now we're going to become the pugilists. We're going to become the boxer here. This is 2007 Beggar's Banquet, 4 AD. Uh, let me give you some albums that came out that year. Kanye West, Graduation. Uh, Bjork Volta, and one of my favorites of all time because, uh, well, I won't get into the reason, but it is In Rainbows Radiohead. <laughs> so 
This was even harder than <laughs> Alligator. What is your bronze medal track? Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Fake <laughs> Empire. Uh, okay. Um, oh my God. 2000. I mean, yeah, 2007. Um, it's one of those years in my life that's imprinted on my mind. I know exactly where I was. I can, I can remember week to week what I was doing. Uh, I remember the excitement when In Rainbows came out, and I remember seeing Radiohead in London on those tours. And I, I was equally ex as excited about Boxer coming out. Um. And the only two bands that I have this level of, of obsession with are Radiohead and, and, and The National. Um, I'm going to go with Fake Empire because um, I, I love it when you listen to a new album and The National are so good at first songs. Have you ever noticed this? They're so good at first songs on albums. <laughs> and... Um, the first time I heard Fake Empire, it was just, it's one of those kind of like piano chord progressions. It's all so obvious. You can't believe nobody's ever written it before. Um, and it's it's beautiful. It's, it's magic. But also the first time I heard it, it was kind of like, ah, this is a deeply, this is a deeply romantic song. This is tapping into all those beautiful the national images of um picking apples making pies putting a little something in my lemonade um and then you talked about the tension at the heart of some of the national songs um only after i heard it and then i read some interviews with the band you realize the um political context in which they'd actually perhaps meant that song and the and the apathy and the and the fake empire and the political situation and the feeling of helplessness and the, and the loss of kind of youth and protest in in America at that time and just the you know the kind of acceptance of the political situation and <laughs> trying to reconcile all that with like one of the most magical beautiful productions that they've ever made it's, it's very very difficult but yeah it gives it that tension when you listen to it. Um, but even now, after hearing it for hundreds and hundreds of times, um, when it reaches that magical crescendo, and I, I always miss the brass coming in. I always think the brass is going to come in like a beat or two earlier than it, sh than it does. But every time the brass section kind of comes in, it gives it a sense of triumph and hope. And I really, really think that, yes, as, as a political as song as it is, and the strange way in which it was appropriated by the Obama campaign, and um, perhaps not in the way that the band intended it, um, but they, but they gave, you know, they gave, it gave hope and it gave Mr. November to Obama. And um, the climax of that song is so triumphant and hopeful and fist pumping that i think ultimately it's about hope and i really feel that despite what they might think i think the music is what transcends it and takes it okay so 2007 i went to london and um this album had been out and this was my london album 
I listen to it non. I can tell you when those opening chords for um, uh, Fake Empire, I can tell you exactly where I was walking in the streets. I also went to Paris. That was like my suitcase, my luggage, my, my music there. So this album really, really, I treasure it. It's in my vault. And um, this song, it's got such a perky, jerky feel to it. And I'm wondering how the hell did the percussion sound so good? Um, and then in, interplayed with Matt's, as you had mentioned, phrasing, showered and blue blazered, fill yourself with quarters. Showered, blue blazered, fill yourself with quarters. Of course, I'm talking about mistaken for strangers. What a video, <laughs> what a song. Um, and I, I, going back to my uh, my uh, brother-in-law at the time, <laughs> that was the song that he's like, God damn it, William, this is so good. I'm like, I know, <laughs> it's so good. So yeah, it pumps me up. I think I've only seen them play it twice and I just kind of go bonkers off the rails. So yeah, that's my number three pick. God damn, that was hard. All right. <laughs> We go from the bronze to the silver. <laughs> silver. Um, so amazingly, we would have been in London at the same time when this album came out. Ah, very nice. Nice. Very nice. Nice connection there. <laughs> oh. Um, well, silver, my silver is uh, Mistaken for Strangers. Um, ah! So silver, silvery, silvery city, city bank lights. Um, yeah, I mean, what can you say about this song other than it's possibly the ultimate, the national, national song? Um, every time you read an interview with the national, I'm waiting for the moment when the writer journalist, quite rightly, will whip out the quote, the unmagnificent lives of adults, which is, oh my God. I mean, in a, in a career of however many decades Matt Berninger has had, um, you know, that line um, really sums up, I think, how so many people fear that there's a fear of life there's a fear of responsibility there's a fear of so many things a fear of your life being not magnificent opening chords uh, is they're so good at um hooks and they they know that every time they play that song live the minute they play those opening chords everyone's going to know what that song is um also i think that the idea that you are living in a city be it London, be it New York, be it anywhere where you feel anonymous, you feel alone. Um, perhaps you, you, you don't know people as well as you think you do, and you might be mistaken for a stranger. Um, but there are so many moments in that song. There's a heaviness, there's a depth, there's a beauty to it. It just, it, it references so many bands, but actually it doesn't really sound like any other band. It was, it was perhaps the first time I heard a national song and I thought, this is your sound. And for me, that's why it's silver. 
Okay. Awesome pick. My silver medal goes to guest room. And for one reason and one reason alone. So I've talked about their bridges, their middle eights being mm -hmm. so potent. This is one of the greatest middle eights they've ever, they've ever put together. You know that moment when you hear that song and or any other songs by them where you started to feel like, all right, I just got goosebumps there. I just got goosebumps. That is that song for me. And remember I messaged you a couple days ago. I'm like, God, I was up at 2 a.m. I had that song on repeat. I had that song on repeat. And Matt's voice, there's a sadness, there's a worry, some to it. There's a sense of um, desperation. And uh, God, it just, just it's spine tingling. So I'm going guest room. So Slow Show is my gold record um, for so many reasons. Um, <laughs> Strap in, uh, everyone. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, like, you know, made a mistake in my life today. Um, how can you not relate to that lyric? There's not a, not a person on the planet that does not feel like, oh, what the fuck have I just done with my life? Um, that was an error. That was a big error. Um, but, yeah, I want to start over. Yeah, just erase this. Just start again. Um, but then it turns into something else. It turns into a romantic domestic. And I think it made me realize how good the National are about writing about intimacy and specificity. I think what Matt does, he writes, he sings and writes lyrics with such domestic specificity that that is what people connect with. And um, that idea of hurrying home to you to put on a slow, dumb show for you. Oh, how romantic is that? I mean, also just having someone that you, you feel like you want to do that for um, and crack you up. Like, yeah, what, what is love if not wanting to just crack someone up and make them laugh? Um, but I think lyrically for the national, that's possibly as good as it gets. And you think, oh, this is a great song. This is a great song. And then like two minutes, 30 seconds in, something astonishing happens, like literally astonishing. And even now when I listen to it, that piano break, the piano break that comes in, it just, it's, it, it, it's mournful, it's, um, kind of catches you off guard every time and you know what um Matt Berninger plagiarizes himself in this song you know on the self-titled record they've got a track called 29 years in which he uses this lyric and you know if you're a, if you're an English lit nerd and a graduate you know you this is like metafiction this is like I wasn't happy with that. That was a work in progress, but there was magic in that. I think I think maybe Matt knew on their debut, he knew how good that lyric was. 
And he was like, I didn't utilize that in the best possible context. So you know what? Uh, Here's this song. I'm just going to transplant it. Um, I, I don't know how much precedent there is for that in pop music and rock music, but who cares when it slots so perfectly into this song, Slow Show. And also his phrasing is so good that it just shows you how work in progress the first album was for me the gold medal track (laughs) it's one of the many songs i've hit the repeat button before i had it on vinyl it's one of the songs on my long drives i probably listened to it six times in a row many times i talked about groove and restraint this is a song to me is like if you picked up a stone and threw it hurtling across a mint condition lake and you see the ripples, this is that song. It just glides. Oh, wow. So I'm going to read you the lyrics, and I'm so happy they played this last week. <laughs> um, oh, we're so disarming, darling. Everything we did believe is diving, diving, diving off the balcony. Tired and wired, we ruined too easily. Sleep in our clothes and wait for winter to leave. That, of course, is apartment story. Huddle up, everyone. Get cozy. Swaddle yourself up in this song. Hit play. Hit play. It's that damn good. And it's one of the songs you're like, oh, my God, just go off the rails. They never do it. They never do it. And he climbs the ladder of that almost cacophony, but it never gets there. And you're in that straight jacket with all of that tension. So, yeah, this was my numero uno, my gold medal blue ribbon track. What a brutal task taken to the mat for both of us on the boxer. We're going to transition out of that album and we're going to move into maybe a little bit more mature sounding uh, album, maybe some growing up from the, from the, uh, the band from uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. And of course I'm talking about 2010's high violet. Uh, Barkles, I'm going to give you some context, some other albums that came out that year. We had tame and Paula inner speaker a band that I absolutely love known as Gorillas, and that was Plastic Beach, their opus. And then if you're in the dream pop, I cannot recommend this album enough. This is Gemini by Wild Nothing. So those are some great albums amongst a plethora, a sea of others that came out. And um, yeah, this is kind of like their stamp on... The music landscape, we are here. We're going to make this loud, boot-stomping message to the world. This album is dark. It's brooding. Great accompaniment by Sufjan Stevens and, of course, Bon Iver. Bronze metal track for you. Um, I mean... um, Not... Not only is it the greatest national album, it's one of the greatest albums. It's one of the greatest albums of all time. 
Um, and they recorded it in the shed. They recorded it in a shed at the bottom of their garden. I mean, uh, that blows my mind. Um, you know, apparently, I think Aaron, Aaron's brother-in-law is a Norwegian architect. And he lined the recording studio in Brooklyn in the garden with cedar wood to stop the noise from annoying the Brooklyn neighbors. Um, how can you how can you record? How can you record an album this good in your shed at the garden? What? Um, oh my god, I mean, um, I was 29 when this came out. I was in London. Um it um so my my bronze my bronze is blood buzz ohio um i mean what can you say about that song other than it's now a classic it's a classic for the national it's a it's a classic in any indie rock standard it still gets played on the radio in the uk it's probably the track that gave them the the bigger fan base that they now have um and i remember when the album came out i was so obsessed with alligator and boxer when this album came out it was a big deal a big deal for me and hearing hearing matt sing you know i still owe money to the money to the money i owe um you know when you're living in london and your rent is astronomical and you are in your 20s and you have no money and you spend all your money on records and gigs and you spend all your credit you you, you max out your credit you max out your credit cards on festivals and gigs and records because it's the only thing that makes sense and it's the only thing that makes you feel better and even now the catharsis and the collective what a weird chorus or pre-chorus. Yeah. Like, I still owe money to the money. that, And everybody is euphoric <laughs> in that moment because everybody has debt. And I think we all have, we all have a debt to the national because of this song. Um, and I think that um, when, when it came out and Matt said, it's a song about having drinking too much wine. Hello? uh you're you're on a wine buzz you're on a blood buzz and you're thinking about your friends and your family and your home all right did you ever see the movie dead poet society uh robin williams yeah i loved it so there's that scene at the end very end spoiler alert <laughs> where they all they all conform for the first time except for a couple of them um, and stand on the triumphant desk and pay respects to their teacher. Well, that scene inspired me so much. I had my song, my students literally do a whole performance around this song. And I stole a little bit of that ending and incorporated in the song. And I had my students stand up at the huge banquet for their parents at the end. And each kid saying it took it. It just stood on their chair rather than desk because we we're in this beautiful hall. And they each one said, it takes an ocean not to break. And uh, of course, I'm going with Terrible Love, which was probably one of my number one songs of all time. 
it's changed and that's okay. Um, there's the anthemic, there's that, that moment where I feel as though they arrived, they truly arrived and did this amazing imprint on the, this fertile land of music within that time period. Uh, and I'm glad you brought up the album because I was wondering what's the deal with that album. I actually found uh, a description of that album cover. I don't know if you know this. Do you know the story behind this? I believe it is a friend of the band who exhibited this piece in a gallery in New York. Yeah, so it was um, it was headed by Scott Devendorf. And um, it was created by Distant Station. It is a Brooklyn-based design firm headed by Scott. Like the band's music, the image is, is already cryptic, dense, with um, a clue to meaning, and built on the contrast between monochromatic austerity in the explosions of full-spectrum detail. The cover image is a photograph of untitled binding force assemblage by the installation artist Mark Fox, who's also national singer Matt Berninger's second cousin. Hey. Um, okay, so my silver is, um, this was very, very difficult because again, it's a, it's a, I would say 10 out of 10 album. This is, this is in the uh, OK Computer. This is in the, um, you know, real serious, uh lcd sound system sound of silver bracket album i'm gonna go with afraid of everyone um oh. now for me um it's the production on that song is just incredible like the way it just builds and builds and builds there's these like little pushes of brass that keep happening it's for me, it's one of those songs when I listen on headphones, there's so much going on. And I'm just like, how did you motherfuckers do this? Like, just, <laughs> yes. it's like, it's, I, I, I think, I think this is the album for me that skips into genius and um, it's forever welded in my DNA. If you fucking cut me open, I'd bleed this album. Like, I, I really would. Um, it's, it's, I, I think a lot of it is down to um, Brian Devendorf's drumming. Like, um, and then by the time you get to like two minutes 58, there's a kind of ecstasy and a transcendence that's happening that does not happen in many songs that I know. Um, and it, it, it kind of escalates and escalates and escalates and then it falls in on itself. And then the stuff that is going on at the end of Afraid of Everyone is the magic, the magic of music. I don't know how they're doing it. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know how they came up with it. It feels right. And it feels, it feels like, it feels like the mess that was in my brain at that time. It was like, it was a catharsis and a help. Well, for me, this silver medal has to go to the police. And what I mean by that is <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of the, the, and I don't think they meant this as a nod, but the do, 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 do. 
<laughs> but um, I'm going to pick, I'm, I went on a limb here. And the reason why I picked Lemon World as my number two song is because, you know, when you're listening to songs, they use these fruits as metaphors. They, um, it, it has that sugary feel. It has that cocktail flavor to it. This is the song for me. I will never, ever skip it, ever. I love his vocal work there and his kind of uh, tumble, somersault feel to it. And um, so happy I was invited. Give me a reason to get out of the city. See you inside watching swarms on TV, living and dying in New York. It means nothing to me. What? <laughs> After all that experience? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's probably not maybe the fan favorite, but I've never been, you know, so beholden to that. And it's just kind of one of those songs that just gives me that floating feeling. And again, it has restraint. And I keep going back to that motif. So Lemon World, Silver Metal. Holy shit, here we go. <laughs> what? Can I guess your gold medal? <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. All right. Hi, Violet, 2010. OK. <laughs> you know what? I'm going with England. Uh, interesting. Interesting. Uh, so for me, um one of my favorite albums of all time one of one of the nationals greatest songs definitely not only that one of the greatest songs ever written by anybody ever is lemon world oh no way that's your I number mean, one that's my number one do you know do you know do you no know way. that they do you know that they recorded that song 80 times? <laughs> no, I didn't know that. Okay. Do you know do you know what take they actually used for the album? If they're in so it sounds like it sounds like a very Kubrickian method. Um I'm gonna go with like if they recorded it 80 times, I'm gonna go the opposite way, their third take. <laughs> They used the first take. Oh my god! So they had like they had like pillows and pads, and the first take they recorded uh, was like, oh yeah, it's good. Uh, they they recorded that song eighty times. I'm not even joking. You can you can read about it. Um, I want to hear. And at, it. The, and at the at the end of eighty takes. They were like, actually, the first one was the best one. And you know what? You know what? Um, that sums up the national for me in a song. Um, also, it that that 80 that 80 take, it links to boxer. It links to everything that we've been talking about. Um, yes. 
80 takes. You, you can call it Lemon World or you can call it 80 takes. Um, have you seen Have you seen the Mistaken for Strangers documentary? Yes. Yes. Okay. There's a moment in that documentary which is amazing right at the end yeah. it's right at the very very end and apropos of nothing they cut to they cut to footage of like really early national they're thin they're gone they're in their 20s they're in some horrible like van touring and they're playing in a bar to nobody they're playing in the bar to nobody and um Matt Berninger is on the verge of tears. I think he's actually crying. And he's like, there are so many times we wanted to give up. There are so many times when traveling around in a van playing to nobody was not worth it. And you know what? Every time I hear Lemon World and I'm like, I'm so glad you guys didn't give up. I'm so glad you guys carried on touring, playing to nobody. Me, um... I think it every time I listen to it, there's almost there's almost like a film of silver or a film of something. I don't know what it is. Like it's the magic. It's the magic of the song. There's, there's some sort of film over the song when you listen to it orally that is magic. And um, you know, lay me on a table, put flowers in my mouth, and we can say that we invented a summer loving torture party. One of the darkest lyrics I've ever heard in my life. Um, and But it's also, it's sexy. It's weird. It's the fucking national. All right. My gold medal track. Come on. Well, <laughs> um, since I guessed yours, go ahead. Um, uh I sort of think maybe you're... Have you chosen Blood Buzz Ohio yet? No, maybe Blood Buzz Ohio then. Well, so I think we've all been in relationships where each one of us is going to put on our boxing gloves and we're going to... Um, we're gonna lose our shirts in the fire. Oh. <laughs> and uh, what makes you think I'm enjoying being led to the fire? <laughs> <laughs> so, Runaway is my gold medal pick. Um, and I think this harkens back to my students again. This was a very daring song for me to pick for my students to learn how to sing. Uh, lyrically, I didn't want to get in hot water with the parents because there are, I mean, it's a pretty innocuous song, but it could have different interpretations. And again, I'm dealing with 10 and 11 year olds. So I'm always very careful. Yeah. But this is the song that one, that year my students, it took them no time to love, no time. And we used to sing it nonstop acapella, you know, whatever it may be. And um, for me, it's all about the imagery. It's all about, it's about the snapshots in my head when I hear it. It's very lucid. It's very crystallized. And um, 
again, I go back to restraint. It has that restraint quality to it. You feel like it's just going to explode in this cathartic moment, and it never does. It never does. And I think it's actually one of Matt's greatest vocal work ever, in my opinion. And I will say, if I had any gripe to this album, I've always thought of this album as the cold album. And I mean literally having a cold. His vocals have always sounded to me undernourished. And I'm glad they went with that rather than this very slick production. But to me, when we get to Runaway, the vocals are right there. Yeah. It's right. You're in that room with these this this couple. Yeah. So that's my gold medal track. And believe me, that was not easy. Because I wanted England. Believe me, I wanted England. <laughs> I can and I yeah. Can I add a little um appendix to that? Yes, you're is... not changing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the appendix is twofold. Um, having having been a, a the national fan from England for so long, and then oh. on this al- on this album to then have a song called England, um, you have no idea what that did to me and perhaps a lot of fans. It was it was almost like a, a, an acknowledgement of the music or like their love of our country or and honestly when they when they played England on tour in Brixton Academy um something else happened on that tour which they then have done subsequently which is with Van Vandalal and uh, when they when you when you have a, a gig that is so loud and they have so many instruments and components. And they came back on and they stripped down completely um, kind of um, with no um, amplification at all. And they sing um, a cappella with Vandalal. And I've never, I've never had a band do that. And it, it sucked the air out of the room. And it was, I hadn't ever noticed this lyric, but it was only when Matt sang it on stage in 2010. And it's possibly, possibly like, I know I've said this a lot, it's possibly like the most national, national lyric they've ever done. All the very best of us string ourselves up for love. And how poetic is that? I mean, if it is, if that doesn't sum up what it is to be a human being, to take a risk, to tr- take a chance and like, but then to have 5,000 people singing it collectively, um, that is when I got l- obsessive and loved for that band, basically. Thank you for bringing that up because immediately after the show, we were waiting for an Uber and I said, okay, if I had the opportunity to speak with all the artists that I love, the artists that I help promote and celebrate and da 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 da. I would say to them, keep stepping out of your comfort zone. 
keep pushing yourselves. Of course, we know there might be dynamics within the band that causes strife and all that. I get all that. But don't rest on your laurels. Don't mail it in. Keep pushing and pushing that envelope. And you're going to fall. And within those falls, there's going to be great triumphs. There's going to be great realizations. And I feel like this band continues, even if they've got that silly term, sad dad rock, and maybe linked to Taylor Swift. Who gives a shit? Like, I don't care. Each album stands alone on its own, on its own platform. And how great that we have seen the evolution and the trajectory of what they've been able to do starting way back in, in 2001. So, yeah, this has been a, a phenomenal first part, part one of our discussion. And uh, I'm going to give you the final, final word before I do my closing bit here. Oh man, why are you doing that? I've, I've given you everything, man. I've got nothing left. Um, I'm exhausted. What, tank. I know. Oh, what, what can I say other than it's been a pleasure to discuss one of the bands that have soundtracked my entire life. And I know, I know people talk about bands that soundtrack their life, but it's quite rare that you actually have a band that have done that from my mid twenties to my, I'm going to be 43 in a few weeks and I'm still listening to the national and loving the national. And they give me so much goodness. Yeah. Beautifully said you packaged your, your thoughts and ideas in a, in a way that is so articulate, so authentic Barkles that this has been a tremendous pleasure. And I'm looking forward to part two of our conversation. And by the way, for everyone out there uh, enjoying this conversation, we're going to do part two in a couple weeks here. And we're going to focus on Trouble Will Find Me, Sleep Well Beast, I Am Easy to Find, First Two Pages of Frankenstein, and of course, Laugh Track. And then we're going to do a little special, special tribute to some of their B-sides or their non-album tracks that uh, we're going to have to pick three of those. Of course, not an easy endeavor. Thank you again, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, thank you again.